These lads are mental, recognises the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Welcome to These Lads Are Mental, a podcast from two guys on a mission to normalise mental health. This show is a lighthearted approach that features expert guests discussions, topics, and everyday thoughts around the subject matter. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This podcast is just a group of opinions from different people and is not to be treated as medical advice. If you do suffer with a mental health condition, please consult your physician or contact a support group such as Lifeline. Thank you. On this week's show, we have the amazing Rory Warnock. It's a very special episode as it kicks off our main interview series on the podcast show itself, following on from our pilot show last week. Rory has his own business, Rory Warnock Wellness, and is a performance and wellness coach. He's got a passion for improving mental and physical health of people. He stumbled across breathwork while struggling with his own mental health back in the UK, but fast forward to today, and he now specializes in all things breeding and the science behind it. We're so excited to have Rory on today's show. And today I'm joined again once more by my fabulous co-host, Mr. Gary Rafferty, whose surname I forgot to actually mention in our first show. So this is my way of making it up to Gary. So Rory, um, you and I actually know each other a little bit. We've worked together uh, on some breathwork classes over the last few weeks and months, particularly, you know, since COVID and the more recent lockdown. But uh, for anyone that doesn't know your work, uh, would you mind giving us a bit of a background to our listeners? You know, you know where you've come from, and uh, yeah, explain that lovely accent that you have. All right, so so thank you for having me on, guys. Um, so I'm originally from Edinburgh. I spent about six years in London. Uh, I went to university in London, studied strength and conditioning science. And then I guess the pressures of external uh, life and and just life in general. I then went into the corporate world, worked in consumer goods sales. I, I struggled with my own mental health difficulties, I guess. From the end of university, I put a lot of pressure on myself um, to get the grades that I wanted to get. Um, and then put a lot of pressure to get a certain job and to make a certain amount of money, I guess, because that's where I thought at the time happiness would be found. Um, I now understand that's very incorrect. Uh, I had some pretty bad anxiety. Uh, my depression was at a pretty bad point as well. And my girlfriend recommended that I went to a breathwork session. I had no idea what breathwork was. I, I tried to meditate. Um, I was doing a lot of yoga at the time and I was very fascinated in the breathing during yoga. But I struggled to meditate because of my anxiety. You know, you, you tell someone with severe anxiety to sit for 20 minutes uh, with their thoughts. You know, the worst thing you could do. So I went to this breathwork session, went in with an open mind, even though I thought I do enough of this fucking woo woo stuff already, but I'll try it. I went in and it just changed everything as embarrassed as I feel saying that and has uh, kind of cringe and as cliche as that sounds. It changed my mood. It changed my motivation. It changed my, um, my purpose. I felt like I had so much more energy. I felt um, empowered. So from there, I went down all the rabbit holes. I got pretty obsessive and understanding how the breath can improve mental health and physical health. 
Um, fast forward a few years, because I could blather on for quite a wee while here. So fast forward a few years, this is now my uh, job living and working here in Sydney, which I absolutely love. It's an incredible city um, and I love what I do, helping people in the corporate world, the medical space, education, sports and charity. And you mentioned uh, that, that was your, was it your partner that got you involved? So, so was that how simple it was in terms of you getting involved, just her giving you a referral? Yeah, I mean, it, it was literally a, a, a small a decision as that has changed my whole life. Um, she works for Hearst Magazines in London and they, they're putting on an event because she works for Women's Health and Men's Health and Runner's World. And they put on, this, they put on an event with Lululemon. And then there was a, a breathwork uh, specialist who was taking a session and she said, why don't you go along and see what it's like? I did, just because I thought, why not? I'll try it. And, and the rest is kind of history, really. And so what? give us an idea of like timing. What year was this recently or? Yeah, good question. That probably was about 2017, 2016 or 2017. Because um, that's when... I was struggling quite a lot personally. Um, and at that point, I've got quite a proactive approach. And I thought, you know, I'll, I'll do anything I can. Um, so, yeah, I was about four or five years ago. Yeah. And did, was that like a catalyst? Because we're obviously now all speaking from, we're all based in Sydney, all three of us here today. Do you think that led to you coming to Australia? Or was there like other reasons why you decided to leave the cold, wintry nights behind? Well, George, my partner and I, we, we, we always wanted to have a better life. You know, we, when we, we questioned a lot in life. We thought if we could be happier and live a more fulfilled life, then why wouldn't we try it? And I guess that could be similar to you two lads where the sun made us really happy. The outdoor makes us really happy. Nature, these are all things that, again, have been all proven in science. Um, and living and working in London in a dead end, uh, unfulfilling job where I was just working for the man essentially um, brought me no purpose, meaning direction. Um, so I guess my unhappiness and lack of fulfillment in that position definitely was a bit of a catalyst to move country. Um, and like I said, we would do anything we could to uh, live a happier and healthier life. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because on the last show, the guy and I were chatting about, we were talking about sleep and, you know, seeing it as kind of like filling up the glass, so to speak. Like if you've got like lifestyle, weather, you know, opportunity, all those things, like if you have them in place, you're kind of in a better overall, you know, situation, generally speaking, you know, than you would be when you don't have those things in your life, right? Of course, and, and London, as we all know, is 100 miles an hour it's so much fun and there's so much opportunity but you, the drinking culture is huge the party the nightlife which is all good fun and I, I did enjoy it and I still do enjoy socializing but when you're when you're just looking forward to the weekend just to smash the weekend from Thursday to Sunday and then you just repeat that you know it's just such a, a vicious cycle and coming away from that to then be by the ocean be by the beach run in the blue mountains um you know, the, the, the simple things and stripping it back to basics, that's where happiness really is. Um, not trying to smash yourself with too many tequila shots. You know, we're all like a bit of fun here and there, but all in moderation. 
in Ireland, it was, yeah, as you were saying, Rory, Friday night, straight after work, down to the boozer. Saturday, you might have a football game, like at three o'clock, you get that out of the way, straight to the boozer. Then Sunday, you have a recovery session watching Super Sunday, which was the best and worst invention to ever happen to your social life. And then you go into work on a Monday in an absolute heap like guy would you have done the same thing up in glasgow hey, glasgow's not got a drinking culture at all mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous question aye, aye, aye. exact same mate obviously football culture like tuesday night's champions league you're in the pub and it was just three or four pints watching benfica versus spartak moscow <laughs> any excuse to get a couple of pints and then exactly same, mate. on and then you've got university on top of that you've got freshers week you've got I mean, and my local, not my local, but the, there's a, a pub at the bottom of Socky Hall Street in Glasgow who's doing, does 69 pence um, halves. So you can get a whiskey or a rum or a gin for 69 pence. It was like 99 pence a beer. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Give me a fiver, I'm getting me absolutely scalped. I remember going to Liverpool uh, for Christmas one time in England and went to the toilet. And in the, this is a bit crass, sorry to the viewers, but like, the urinal, there was an ad in the on the urinal, which was a double vodka and red bull was two pound fifty. And I was like, oh my god. Remember the cla- the, the classics as well in, in Newcastle, um, the bars like Sam Jack's where you get three trebles, so it's nine shots for five pound. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, like, what you, like, obviously that's the culture that you kind of, well, that especially us from the UK and Ireland were brought up with, but it's, it's not the same everywhere, right? That's, you have to say that, you know? Um, and like, it is quite, like, what do you think we're even coming over here? Was it, is it difficult to break the mold? Because once you break the mold, like, we're all a little bit older now. We look back, God, I couldn't, I couldn't even do two nights in a row now. You know, it'd be ruined for a week. But do you just need to break the mold or like, go down that journey yourself or i don't know i, I the way society is built is just on this drinking culture and you know it's still a drug alcohol is a drug and that we the only one that we find so acceptable to consume every single day um and like don't get me wrong i'm not trying to get on my high horse and say i never drink alcohol I, of course i no well not of course but i do drink and i have fun um all all in moderation but the way that society is where on Thursday you go have a drink, on Friday you go have a drink, Saturday you catch up with your pals and like you said, you watch the sport, the rugby, the football, the tennis, cricket, whatever, and go and sit and drink. I just don't think is conducive to health, mental or physical. Um, I guess parting too much in London really just spanked me over the head and made me have a look at that. Um, I think just trying to find a balance is pretty difficult, um, personally. Um, but I don't know what you guys think of that. Do you think a balance is is key and, and is um is achievable? I think a balance. I don't know. It's a, it's an easy word to throw around the word balance. I mean, it's a, there's a lot of individualization to that as well. The context has to be provided. I mean, balance to me. I mean, day to day basis, trying to get balance can be exhausting itself because you start overthinking things and trying to do everything in balance. When sometimes, like, you start feeling guilty for going on a like a big boozy night oh, i shouldn't be doing that i need more balance in my life and sometimes relax man enjoy yourself have a few pints have a few a glass of wine do whatever you want to do man go mental but sometimes like you said mm. if all oh, it's silly mentioned if the rest of your life's in place in terms of do you have that good environment around you are you doing what you like you enjoy doing on a daily basis are you looking after yourself are you eating right all that sort of thing i think if you're going to booze as your number one thing and buzzing for the weekend 
and then eating like shit Monday to Thursday, not doing any exercise, heads all over the place, not enjoying work, and then getting booze as an escape. Don't know if that's balance. I mean, people might see that as balance as a work life balance, but I think if your balance is sort of off skew there. Yeah, I think that point of like, it is a bit of an escape, isn't it? Like you drink to basically numb whatever it is, the pain or whatever you are trying to avoid. Um, and yeah, it, like it's, that can be obviously a challenge to overcome. But sometimes like, I think when you, when you struggle with mental health, which I think, you know, we're all speaking about it from personal experience. Sometimes it's difficult to know where the dial is as well, which is something that I've certainly felt like where, as you were saying, Gary, sometimes you do need to blow off that steam and we used a burger analogy in the last show I was like sometimes you want to have a burger but then you have a burger and then you're like fuck why did I eat that burger I'm you know you get mad uh, paranoid about it and like you need to go and work out and then all of a sudden you, you you probably do yourself more damage so quite often it's actually quite challenging to know where is my is my dial accurate right now you know am I actually being logical about this thought that I'm processing or am I being like you know that part of me that is a bit you know, over anxious, you know, have you ever found something like that? Like where you struggle to know whether decision or thought you're making is the right one? Yeah, completely. And I think, I think self-awareness is pretty key here as well. Um, and not being hard on yourself. Like if I have a, a good few weeks of running and training, exercising, uh, breath work, um, movement, and my work's in a good place, then yeah, I'll go and have some drinks at the weekend. But then I do and I will probably beat myself up if I've had a bad week and then go and just drink for the sake of drinking. Um, I often think as well that you see so commonly that people will, when they have a busy week, they then just turn to alcohol, like you said, and it's like that more of a, a numbing agent. Whereas what they actually need is to clear the head and go for a walk or go for a run, just get outside and go chat to some pals like we were doing here. You know, but usually when you chat to your pals at Revolves or in the pub. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what something we mentioned last week. We we're talking about, like for me, the simplest things are often the best answers. So sometimes it's a case of, right, have I slept well? Have I had some food? And I just need to go for a walk. Like as simple as those three questions can probably solve a lot of the immediate probably thoughts in your head. And then if those three are ticked off, then obviously dive a bit deeper. But that's not always, people overlook those things and look for more complex ideas and start Googling. And then before you know it, they've threw themselves into even more anxiety, try to Google an answer when it's really, mate, go for a walk. Yeah. as simple as that yeah i agree i agree and i think it is uh as simple as that and from for me if i feel pretty stressed or overwhelmed or, or 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 struggling with certain things um work or personal i'll just go for a run and i come back and i'm a changed man you know but a lot of people and these are the kind of people i want to help in the world and in life will turn to the drink or turn to the drugs uh the harder stuff because that's just what their or where their mind goes um which is upsetting but everyone's on their own journey and, and takes their own time yeah it's interesting well, to walk the power of a walk right we were talking about it last week as well gary about you know there's a charity that started with a guy who went and had a surf which changed his life you know he was in a bad way and sometimes it can be as analog and as simple as that right where you just like just go out and to get a walk or do that yoga class or you know cycle or go for a car ride you know we, we kind of finished the show last week on that point that sometimes the smallest thing as Gary said already the simplest thing can be the answer and we also spoke about how sometimes you wake up you're just in a bad place you know for some reason you don't know why you could have slept well eaten well you woke up you're in a bad place but you just have to kind of carry through right get through that day try and break the cycle a little bit and then you know tomorrow you'll be 
you know, better person. So I just wanted to quickly transition from just what, um, what you were saying there, Rory, about that's the people you want to help. So you've obviously alluded to the breathwork sort of thing. When you said the type of people you want to help are people who are potentially like drinking or turning to the booze, is that a sort of clients that you try and help? Yeah, definitely. So I, I briefly mentioned during the intro that within breathwork, my kind of five pillars that I'm focusing on at the moment are medical. So working in the medical space, corporate. So your likes of Google, Amazon, Canva, Australian Stock Exchange, um, education. So schools, universities, and then educating people as well. So with the likes of kind of um, Nimbus Online. Um and then sports, so working with professional and recreational athletes, and then charity. So specifically to answer your question, in the medical space, I work at um, a neurological health clinic called Singulum, um, which which I, I, I help a lot of people with severe anxiety, depression, uh, addiction, PTSD, OCD. And we use, we use the breath as a tool to try and help with a bit of neuroplasticity to kind of rewire, remold the way that we kind of think, feel, and behave, and perform in life. Gonna, I was going to jump in there as well and say, because like maybe tell the listeners, Rory, like, is your, like, are you now transitioned fully into Brett work? Is that your kind of like day to day? I know you've got a, like a strength and conditioning background that you mentioned, um, but maybe let us know yet. Yeah, like, is this now your full-time passion? Maybe you could give us a quick, like, uh, you know, elevator pitch on like what breath work is, you know, some people might think it's meditation, but you know, it's becoming a phenomenon. So maybe you could give us a rundown of what literally, um, breathwork is and the type of practice you do yep yeah i'll explain a little bit about what breathwork is um and then i can touch on what else i do in my week because I, I still do a bit of strength and conditioning and mobility flexibility work so i guess we'll breathwork can be thought of as conscious breathing or breathing in a certain way certain pattern certain rhythm to create a desired outcome so whatever that outcome is you can breathe to try and improve a certain aspect of your life. So for example, if you were feeling stressed and, and anxious, we try and downregulate your nervous system through slow breathing or lengthening out your exhale to engage the parasympathetic state. If you're feeling depressed, so pretty lethargic, tired, we try and upregulate your nervous system, try and increase your alertness, your energy by uh, breathing a little bit quicker, which will um, uh, stimulate your nervous system. If you're trying to improve your athletic performance, if you're an ultra endurance athlete, you want to reduce your fatigue and improve endurance, we could do a bit of hypoxic training or a bit of functional breathing to try and uh, increase oxygen uptake and delivery, um, which will help reduce your heart rate so you're not putting too much stress upon the body, etc. So we can use a breath in so many different ways. And like I often say as well, it's because it's free and because it's so accessible, maybe that's why it's so undervalued and overlooked. Um, we just do not, we just don't give it the attention that it needs and deserves. Maybe it's not a sexy app, it's not a sexy platform, but once you gain some understanding of the science behind how we breathe and how to breathe in a certain way, certain rhythm, certain routine, um, then it can be pretty profound. And also I touched on a number of little bits there, but then you've got a transformational aspect as well where people can breathe to release trauma. You know, if they had um, you know, sexual abuse or PTSD, like I mentioned, you can actually use a breath to try and let go of that, which is pretty profound and sounds a whole bit woo-woo and hooga-jooga, but it's, you know, people have these experiences and it's, 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 it's definitely a thing, it's definitely real. 
That's it. I was going to say to you, in, uh, in particular, strength and conditioning field at the moment, or oh, in every single health and fitness field, there's a lot of fads that come and go. And I've noticed in the last maybe 12 months, breathing and also the foot are two of like pretty common discussions all the time now. But I was talking to somebody recently about it. I'm just funny, like how feet, which obviously majority of athletes, unless you're playing a sport that I can't think of off the top of my head, you're, you're Polo. using your <laughs> What's that? Polo. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just, I, was, I was, for some reason, I was just thinking of something in a horse there. I was thinking, Polo? Like, can look <laughs> that as a Come on, man. <laughs> you say darts? Darts, yeah. Darts. Aye, you said, you're, what an athlete you were, mate. <laughs> we are, <laughs> First thing that came to your head. Uh, but it's mad, like breathing and your feet. It's these things that are, some people are going, oh, it's just a bit of a fad. I think it's the two of the foundational things that we're coming back to that when you, I mean, you'll know better than me, but digging deeper, when people aren't even like, for instance, the likes of Gary Ward who do a lot on the, on the feet. It's like people's feet don't move properly. They're not wearing the right shoes. They're not, like their feet aren't working in the correct way. Their calves are getting issues. Their hips are getting issues. And then somebody's saying, oh, breathing. Do you breathe? Do you mean I breathe properly? Of course I breathe properly. I mean, it's like, and that's why I was curious to ask the question of, give me an elevator pitch in terms of, give me a quick, sell it to me. I, I, I believe you. Like I've, I've done nasal breathing. I've done some things and seen some, more performance benefits than anything else. But I know that like the amazing impact it can have, just breathing alone improved a lot of few niggles I had in terms of tendonitis. It was ridiculously, ridiculous how how, um, how vast the improvement was. But so do we, people do we, do we need to do a role play where like one of us is a non-believer maybe? And then... <laughs> but, but somebody, Don't worry, yeah, listen, tell us about this breathing thing. <laughs> I mean, but like, I tell them I was breathing. I've never heard of breathing before. <laughs> Sounds brilliant. But I mean, like, but that's that's how the connotation to it is like, oh, I can I can help you through breathing. Like, I, I work with some athletes, and I'm saying, oh, look, mate, before we start a session, we want to do a, a little bit of breathing, reset your hips, blah blah. What do you mean breathing, mate? I'm fine. I can breathe fine. You're like, right. It's going to take a bit of time for buying, but I would love to hear you telling me or Sully or any listener who's like, right. I want to sell, my, sell what breathing is, one quick way of just saying this is exactly what it can do. What I often say is we breathe over 20,000 times per day and we eat X amount of calories per day. Even though you're eating every day, are you eating optimally every day? Personally, I know I'm not eating as well as I could and therefore you know, you're not breathing as well as you could as well. If we're breathing through the mouth, if you're breathing short, shallow, upper chest breaths, you're not actually getting as much oxygen into your working cells and tissues as if you're breathing using your nose, breathing deep, lighter and slower. And I guess it brings it back to basics. What's the point of breathing in the first place to bring oxygen into the body, but into the lungs, then into the bloodstream, then into the working cells and tissues. If you're dysfunctionally breathing, you, that process is disconnected. So when you breathe in through the nose, it goes into the lungs, you need to absorb from the lungs into the bloodstream then from the bloodstream into the working cells and tissues. If we breathe too fast out the mouth, that doesn't work the way it should in simple form. You know, like over breathing as well, just to be clear here, it, it is quite confusing. So it's hard to give it a short little uh, pitch, but when you over breathe, so if you see someone running and they're going, <laughs> firstly, they're not breathing deep enough. We've got the highest concentration of alveoli sacs deep in our lungs. That's where uh, gas exchange takes place. So you need to, 
breathe deep and breathe a little bit slow with control. Then breathing too fast gets rid of too much CO2. We need CO2 in the body to absorb oxygen. Simple as that. Take my money. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> no, that's, that's good, mate. That's, that's good. That's, I think, but I do think it is something that, like you said, you have to experience to actually be like, right, there is something here. Like you've done it yourself and you've done it, the, 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 your girlfriend suggested that place to you. I think it is one of those things until you do it, like it's like, oh, I don't get how this can help. But I think it's it's going to have a bigger impact on people than getting a gym membership and going once a week. Do you know what I mean? There's going to be far more profound effects. Look, we're talking, about, we're talking about the functional breathing or I mentioned the functional breathing there. Where I first got into breathwork was more the transformational stuff. And that's the more, you know, if I'm honest, I, I pretty much had a, an out-of-body experience where I, I, I was, I thought I could see myself looking down. You know, nothing's ever made me feel that way. And that's just through breathing in a faster way. And that relieves a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, a lot of kind of feelings of self-doubt. Um, and what we also got to remember too is every week, every month, every year, science is improving. So science hasn't caught up with all these benefits that sometimes the breath can give us. We're doing this stuff, but science doesn't know yet what, what that's actually doing and how it's creating these reactions. Um, and that's what's amazing thing with the breath, where you've got now scientists like Dr. Andrew Huberman from Stanford University, Dr. Sandra Kahn, who's got a book, Jaws, came out a few years ago, um, Breath, who's got a number of scientists who are involved in that with um, James Nestor. And these have all, this is all in the last few years. So science is evolving, which is incredible. I think one of the things for me on this is, um, you know, talking about the importance of breathing is like I went into my dentist who's actually also Scottish. So there must be something going on, but I went into the dentist and he straight away was like, you mouth breathe, don't you? And I was like, how do you know that? And he's like, I know by the, I think it was the, the acidity levels and the impact on your teeth. I know that you, mouth breed because maybe you can tell me you probably know Roy like but the co2 or the oxygen levels were you know obviously different in my mouth and it's having an impact on my teeth even though it'll wash my teeth look after my teeth it's like there's people probably going around doing all these things or not doing these things in those cases and unaware of actually the implications of poor breeding can have not even just on your physical health but also on your um well yeah. that is to technically your physical health but like all aspects of your own health and well-being i mean like you said from physical to mental but even to facial structure you know it, from a young age if kids are mouth breathing their faces will be longer in shape and less of a defined jaw and that's all been proven in science you know you look at the neanderthals or uh, our ancestors they all have straight teeth you know, and they, they're all nasal breathers. Now our teeth are all crooked and we all wear braces. This isn't natural. This is new. And because of our breathing has all changed, mainly or the reason I think of is because of the stresses of life. We now upper chest breathe using our mouth for a number of reasons. Um, but that could be up to our debate. Well, wow. Performance stuff regarding breathing does interest me a lot. Like, as I said, I've tried nasal breathing in the past and got some good results with that in terms of just endurance benefits. Um, but I'd be interested to know, and I say performance, take that in any context you want, your daily performance as your everyday, everyday gym goer or the elite, elite side of things. In terms of practicality, what is someone, let's just say two different people, one person, everyday average Joe, and then someone who's more sees himself ambitious towards the more elite side of athletics, any sort of sport, what sort of practical tips do you say, like, okay, this is the best place to get started with us, whether it be dealing with the pressure of a high 
high pressure environment and elite athlete, uh, athleticism or just in the corporate world or whatever it may be, what is like two practical things that you think could benefit their performance, whether they're physically or mentally? Yeah, I, I like the way that you're, you're describing and explaining performance because similar to how I discuss performance, whether that be performance in the boardroom or performance on the athletic track, um, whatever it is, I want you to be your best version and the breath, the breath can really help that. So for example, if you're in the corporate space and you're feeling really stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, you get an email from a client, a boss, whatever, the best practice that I'd recommend is just bringing your attention to your breath and just doing box breathing. So four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold. When you bring your attention to the breath, you're not thinking about the past, you're not thinking about the future, you're just in that present moment. So you're not having that stress, anxiety, that feeling of overwhelm. Um, it also helps improve your focus and your concentration. Um, it was introduced to the Navy SEALs by Mark Devine. And I also think if it's good enough for the Navy SEALs, it's good enough for us, right? Um, and when you feel stressed, when you feel anxious, it's actually been proven that your IQ goes down. <laughs> so if you're in a, a high stress environment and your IQ has been reduced because you can't think straight, you're not performing to your best. Um, so I hope that can answer that question. And then looking in the more athletic performance aspect, bringing it back to, well, I was going to say bring it back to basics, but it's probably not actually that basic, but nasal breathing, like you mentioned, mate, and then trying to slow the breath down. But a lot of what I do, and I do some ultra endurance events and I've run a hundred kilometers and I'll, I'll do nasal breathing, but I also try and improve my CO2 tolerance. So the better we can withstand high levels of CO2, the less you'll have to breathe. So you can actually, like anything in health fitness, uh, you stress a particular system to promote adaptation. So I just do breath holds, as strange as that sounds. I'll hold my breath, I'll take a breath in, take a breath out and hold it for as long as I can. Then when I feel like I'm about to pee myself, I'll let go. Then I'll do that uh, repetitions of that. So CO2 tolerance work to try and reduce the breaths per minute to improve subsequently to improve my oxygen uptake and delivery, which will help reduce my uh, heart rate over time and then the onset of fatigue. And you're doing that, sorry, the breath hold, that you're doing that as you're running or are you doing it at rest? At you rest, say, mate. Aye, I was going to say, man, that sounds <laughs> mental. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's a good, it's a good question. Though. Sorry, I should, I should have explained that. Um, so I'll actually do that every morning. So I'll do breath holds every morning as part of my morning routine um, to improve my CO2 tolerance. And over time, I mean, I could only hold my breath for about 30 seconds. Now I can hold my breath for about a minute 45. So like anything, you just get better and better progressive overloads. You get better over time. Um, and then in turn, that'll make me, uh, a, or hopefully it'll help me become a better athlete. Gonna say for a minute there, I thought we were gonna get a load of uh, emails in going. I was running down Bondi Beach holding my breath as Rory told me to, and <laughs> all these insurance. Listen to your podcast, mate. Collapsed. Yeah, we'd be sued after one episode. <laughs> but I do do so. So if anyone is listening and you want to try it right now, what do you mean you if anyone's it? listening, mate? Come on. <laughs> well, when 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 the millions when my the millions mom, all of the world are listening. What I'd recommend is you can do this static, so seated or lying down, or you can do this walking. Um, obviously, a bit of movement uh, um, during metabolism, uh, CO2 builds as a byproduct, so it's going to build a little bit stronger, and that feeling um, of air hunger will kick in quicker than if you're lying down. So you can do it when you're walking or if you're seated. And I, I guess I'll just touch on as well, when we breathe, like now, and when you're exercising, it's not a lack of oxygen that's making you breathe. It's a rise in levels of CO2. So CO2 is a primary stimulus to breathe, not a lack of oxygen. So 
as you can probably tell when when your intensity increases and as your heart rate goes up your breath is also speeds up so your, your breathing is in line with your metabolic demand essentially i mean and that's yeah that's so interesting because like where do you think we are rory because like maybe only till i've known your work for example when you think about breathing and you know athletic performance you think oh if you have a low heart rate you must be fit you know most people understand that kind of basic of like how many beats per minute you know it's a good sign of like how fit you are like it feels like this is a, like as you're saying at the top of the call it's like it's right under our nose excuse the pun but like, like is there many like, people it's not really ubiquitous yet right like like what's missing like do you think there's an awareness thing um you know are all the top sports clubs and stuff around the world on this right now or do you think it's like a really new kind of thing yeah good question it's definitely getting there you know we look at resting heart rate as a good uh, understanding of fitness levels. We look at heart rate variability. So your relationship between parasympathetic and sympathetic, which the breath has a direct correlation with as well. You know, we used to call it, well, we do call it the autonomic nervous system. And now we realize it's not actually automatic. You can actually impact it through breathing. Um, but now respiratory rate is also a good indicator as well. So your the number of breaths that you take per minute because we're over breathing. And if you can slow that down, actually breathe in a more functional way, like we've been mentioning throughout this podcast, you get more oxygen into the body and bringing it back to basics. That's the point of breathing. You know, you look at um, a company called Shift, who uh, is run by Brian McKenzie, and he works with a couple of doctors as well and just works pretty closely with my teacher, um, Patrick McCune and Dr. Andrew Huberman. And they've just started working with the UFC. So when you get a, a, an organization like the UFC on board, are valuing and understanding this sort of uh, work. Um, I don't want to call it practice, but more work than it. Um, people are starting to noticing it, but like anything in life, in the world, the world moves pretty slow at times. Um, it just takes people time to catch on. Well, and, I, was, uh, I seen it, and I don't know if you uh, the UFC, I don't know if you watch UFC, but Adesanya, um, I don't know how recent the interview was, but he was talking about the breathing. He's like, watch six months from now, a year from now, people will do what I'm talking about right now. And he said, watch me in the end of the third. He's like, they'll be breathing heavy. They'll be struggling. He's like, watch me. I'll be calm. I'll be dealing with the pressure. I won't be out of breath. I'll look if I've not even been in a fight. And it was just showing you, it was explaining the breathing mm. strategies he uses. And again, like you said, so, he's watch you. Interesting. Yeah, he's, he's got a teacher. His teacher is uh, Dave Wood in New Zealand, who, who does a lot of great work as well. So now it's, it's when you get world-class athletes like that, top of the game, who are, really starting to value it and and open their eyes to how beneficial it is it makes me pretty happy so well speaking of uh, world-class athletes gary knows me from my my football <laughs> <in> my career. <laughs> so are you saying if i know if i get my breathing sorted will i be faster or <laughs> <laughs> or those days long gone <laughs> long gone mate. never arrived <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not sure even breathing would be able to help that, mate. <laughs> yeah. it, well, it, is it a little bit like, you know, that there's a great saying I love from a nutritional point of view where they say um, having a good diet won't make you necessarily a better player, but having a bad diet is definitely going to make you a worse player. Is, is breathing kind of somewhere in the similar or do you, do you really think you can increase like your net performance? Yeah, 100%. You know, and, and I'm very passionate about this and I, everything that I do with my clients, I do with myself. And I, I kind of consider myself coach and athlete with all the work that I, I do outside of my coaching. Um, 
like I mentioned, you can improve your uh, endurance. So you get to 60, 70, 80th minute in, if you're whether you're playing football, rugby, whatever you're doing, and all your all your competitors are absolutely blowing and they're mouth breathing, they're hunched over, they're they're not getting that oxygen into the body, and you're just still swimming away. You know, that that helps you have that advantage over everyone else that you're playing against. Um also, if you're then breathing in a more correct pattern, more correct uh, rhythm, you recover quicker too. So whether that be uh, whether you got heats for an athletic performance or whatever that may be, and if you can recover quicker um, on that given day or for the next day, then you're at an advantage as well. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned um, parasympathetic and sympathetic, and then I've heard the vagus nerve. Would you be able to like put those kind of terms into um, maybe simple language for any listeners, because for me, they're, they're, they were kind of foreign terms to me as well. Like, what, what does that kind of mean? Yep. So you got your autonomic nervous system, which, um, which is in control of a lot of your functions in your body, things that are automatic. So your heart rate, your digestion, um, and then in your autonom- autonomic nervous system, you got your parasympathetic and your sympathetic. Your parasympathetic is your rest and digest, and then your sympathetic is your fight and flight. Um, so your inhale is actually, uh, sympathetic driven as the heart rate speeds up and then your exhale is parasympathetic driven. Your heart rate actually slows down. So that's like I said, mentioned earlier, if you want to calm the body down, you lengthen out the exhale because it's parasympathetic driven. So because of all the stresses of life, usually we're in that sympathetic state, high arousal, high stress. So you can use the breath, um, to help recover, move back into that rest and digest by slowing your heart rate, slowing your nervous system, calming your mind down, calming your body. Because like we all know, everything's all connected. Mental health, physical health, physiology, psychology, brain, body, it's all its all intertwined, interconnected. So by just using the breath to tap into the, the nervous system, slowing it down can actually help that uh, relaxation response. And sh- shifting it back towards, <clears throat> more to, from away from performance, slightly anyway, and going back towards the sort of mental health side, you said after university, if I, if I remember that, that's when you started getting some personal mental mental obstacles anyway. Did you find that the breathing stuff did help with that or were you already gone by then? I like how you said mental obstacles. I've never heard someone call it obstacles. That's <laughs> a nice way of putting it. I was, I, was, I, was, I was pretty fucked up. That's probably the best way of putting it. <laughs> um, so it all kind of changed when I did that breathwork session, really. You know, I was on antidepressants and I was taking SSRIs because I was in a bit of a hole and I couldn't really get out of it. Um, and then when, the, when, the, when I found the breath, so the breath found me, however spiritual yogi you want to discuss, um, it... Yeah, very romantic. It, um, it just changed everything. And, and I had, I, because I got so obsessed with it, I had a bit of purpose and passion and mission. And I was going to about three or four breathwork sessions a week. Um, I was doing freelance work at the time. So I had a bit of, um, I, I could move my days around. So I was going to about three sessions a week and I just fell in love with it. I just loved the way that it made me feel. I felt calm, clear, relaxed, strong, empowered. I would cry you know, I, I would just cry during these sessions and I felt, um, looked after, I felt, um, I felt safe. Um, and I guess maybe coming back to what we're like, usually as men, I kept so much stuff in and I didn't, I didn't want to show my emotion. Um, I'd cry on my own, but then I felt I was in a safe environment with the, the breathwork facilitator and, and the music and what we're doing. It's just, um, 
yeah, I actually miss that that time in my life is in a weird way because it's, it's a very low part of my life, but also I learned so much. It's an interesting point, particularly with men, as you say, because we are, you know, typically, let's say, more guarded from a cultural perspective and maybe it's partly in our DNA. It is amazing when you break those barriers down, like, but when you, when you do put up walls for so long and you kind of, you mentioned it earlier on there, you're saying like, oh, I was just practical. I like getting things done. You know, I certainly can relate to that where you think, I'm fine. I'll just get on with it. You know, I'll do this. And it almost like, like borders on the whole um, addictive personality thing where you're kind of like, you just latch onto something and you do that for a while. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it is difficult if you do block out emotions for most of your life to then all of a sudden try and have those emotions. Right. And, you know, um, one example that comes to mind is things like grief. You know, if you try and block out grief, grief actually has a purpose you should grieve if something does happen and often blocking those things whilst you might think it's the right thing to do and you're being brave about can actually have more detrimental effects to you in the long run by blocking them you know because then you're not really you're not feeling your emotions at all do you know what i mean like have you had any experience with that blocking emotions and how that's changed for you after the breath work yeah 100 percent. and and you've seen me uh, at at the sessions, Neil, and when you've come along and, and I love to talk about this kind of stuff with men and women, you know, um, and I love the conversations that we have at the end because people really open up and, and, you know, that's how I, how I felt when I started getting into it and I wanted to speak to someone about it. Um, and also you get a bit confused. You think, why am I crying here? You, you don't know if it's sad tears, happy tears, who knows what tears, it just brings up emotion and it can be so powerful that a lot of these subconscious thoughts can pop up to the surface you know I sometimes when I do it I, I look back and I envision myself as a kid and I think of what I was like as a kid or I think of certain family members and I think well, where the fuck is this coming from you know and it is that powerful a tool that it just these things spring to mind um so I've never I've never had to deal um with too much grief in my life um fortunately enough but the the vulnerability aspect has really um come on a lot since i've got into this work and i love it i love to be open i love to be vulnerable and i and i think a lot of men should be you know I, i'm quite a deep person um my girlfriend says sometimes if i am in the pub or we're trying to have a social time whatever that i can get i can corner someone or corner a little group and just go go deep about mental health the life the breath my journey my story and honestly and i see georgia and she's like she's like stop mate stop <laughs> i thought that was just an irish thing like you know like the irish goodbye but maybe there's a bit in the in the scots as well now that's really nice i think like you touched on a good point there that kind of whole masculinity and like what that means men in previous generations would have been very guarded whereas now you could, like we're starting to like peel back the layers of the onion so to speak so it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. I often think about it with like the next wave of dads, you know, if you think about us three and having kids, like what will be like to our children versus maybe our parents were to us. Completely. Um, and I, I think, you know, that I, I see a lot of similarities with my dad and his dad. So my dad and my grandfather with what, how much he's told me about him and, and my memories of him, but I'm very different. You know, my, 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 my work is very different. My life is very different. My upbringing was very different. Uh, my conversations are very different. Um, so the way that 
I will be as a father, I can imagine will also be very different, which uh, fingers crossed it'll be good. <laughs> and do you, because like that is interesting, yeah, because often like people, and maybe a lot of people can relate to this who are listening in where like maybe you're, yeah, as you're saying your granddad to your, your, your mom or, you know, your granny to your dad or something like that, that there might be some trauma or something that they did. Like where is it? How do you break that mold? You know, because there's a, there's a book that I read about the seven ha- habits of highly effective people where they say Stephen Covey talks about how, you know, uh, you either have two choices. You either pass on that trauma or that behavioral trait or you try and break the mold. But breaking the mold seems simple when you put it in like a book. But like, can you consciously do that? Or is it just you mentioned like putting yourself around an environment, the right people, changing countries. Like, do you have any advice on if people are struggling with that? Like, how can they break the mold? Yeah, big time. And I, I mean, I go to therapy every two weeks. So I go to therapy bi-weekly. We would do a lot of work on uh, behavior change and patterns, um, family work, which I find very, very valuable. Um, I've been going to therapy on and off for about six years. Um, and I love to understand self i love to understand who i am why i do certain things why i think in certain ways and i want to be the best the best version of myself to my partner to my future kids to my friends and to my clients to my family to myself um and therapy really helps that because i'm very hard on myself and i put a lot of pressure and i uh, things can come out the wrong way um but you know we, we are a certain way for a certain reason usually the conditioning of our upbringing and for certain things that have happened and I think therapy has been an incredible tool to help overcome that and understand it. If we shift to work and some of your clients, you're working with, you know, some pretty big uh, brands there. Uh, do you think that's kind of been like fast forwarding at a rapid pace, like the awareness of mental health, let's say specifically with businesses? Do you think like businesses are doing enough for their staff and people or um, do you think it's improving? Where do you think the general state of support for people working in fast-paced environment is that yeah i mean i've got a huge thanks to you and nimbus for for valuing what i do in the first place you know and, and if it wasn't for you guys we wouldn't be getting it out as quick as we are so thank you for for the attention and the support um do i think the corporates are doing enough not yet definitely not um but when you bring it back to basics and like i mentioned earlier the happier and healthier that your employee is the more revenue they'll make for your top line bottom line you know, if they're in a shit way and they can't be arsed, their mental health or physical health isn't in a good place, they're not going to produce good work for you. And businesses aren't seeing that, aren't seeing the bigger picture yet. You know, even there's, there's all this um, uh, news out at the moment with companies like Hootsuite, Bumble, Nike, who've given their employees days or weeks off work to help mental health, which I think, yeah, I think it's a start, it's good, but it's not proactive. You know, a lot of those employees will then just go sit and get on the piss which isn't actually going to help their mental health. But if you if you educate them, teach them, give them tools to actually improve mental health, because some of these people don't understand it and that's not their fault. That's not their specialty. Like I don't, I'm not a doctor. I, I, I don't, I can't do neurosurgery. Um, so they need to teach and educate and have specialists in who can actually support as opposed to saying, oh yeah, there's a week off work. Go and do whatever the fuck you want. Mm. Well, specials are... <clears throat> And maybe there's a few details I might get wrong here, but I'm pretty sure, maybe it was Google, that it was a, somebody started a 60-second meditation. And he basically said to whoever worked on Google, look, I'm going to do this 60-second meditation. 
I recommend you all do it. And then slowly but surely, more and more people would come at lunchtime and just do a 60-second meditation. And it gradually went to a two-minute meditation and a five-minute meditation. And it got so popular just by organically, everyone passing on the word how good it was, that they hired this guy to be the head of some new building based solely on building the, or developing the health, mental health or helping the mental health of their, um, their workers because they realized that once they implemented it, all, all their, their, their days off was going down, their work productivity was going up. And I'm pretty, I think it was Google, I could be wrong, but um, pretty interesting again, just a, a, it doesn't have to be like taking a day off as not passing the buck, but it's an easy way to score, just take a day off. But what's happening that day off? I mean, like, once you've got a bad home life, you go back to an environment you don't want to be in. Whereas if you go back to work and it's like, oh, I quite actually go to work. There's actually a good group you go to at lunchtime or once a week we have this education. I've learned more about myself, et cetera, et cetera. Then when you have that day off, at least you're, you know you can apply some of these things. Um, 100%. When, when, uh, corporate breathwork sessions, I usually send a, um, a follow-up survey just to get some feedback. And every single one, so 100%, of the the people who have joined and over the last what 11 weeks been locked down i think i've uh, facilitated facilitated breathwork to over three or four thousand people and every single one hundred percent i've said that they value their business more for offering this service you know so they're they're, they're getting that buy-in from your employee a lot more as well by providing something for business which is pretty cheap but it's so effective yeah and also like one of the things that really strikes a chord with me about all this is how accessible this really is. Meditation is great. I've done a meditation course. I would recommend it to anybody who struggles with mental health, but it is quite daunting at times. You know, there's a financial commitment. You got to dedicate 20 minutes twice a day, every day, which can be sometimes overwhelming. And then it's, you know, you go around this vicious circle of like, Oh, I should be doing this, you know, and then you kind of get in your own head. But with this breath work, as Gary just summed up there, 30 seconds a day, 60 seconds, you build on it. You can do it in a Zoom class. You can do it in work. It's so accessible, right? I think that's kind of like the beauty with this is that we're not asking people to, you know, climb Mount Everest with this. This is right in front of you, accessible. You can do it at home and it will make you feel better. Like it just seems too good to be true. Yeah. And it's like a, I often say where, and again, don't get me wrong, I, I do I do love meditation. I see so much value in it as well, but there's a time and place. And equally for breathwork, there's a time and place for certain techniques. I like to think meditation's usually passive. So it's, it's there's not much going on. Um, well, physically, but in your head, there's probably a lot going on. But then breathwork is active. So meditation, passive, breathwork is active. Um, that's usually the my, my best sort of go-to analogy for them both. When someone does, let's say, a breathwork session with you, what are the kind of normal takeouts for let's say immediately after like some of the benefits short term long term like what do your you know the guests of your breathwork sessions say usually after they've done it yeah and i think what you what you mentioned there as well about accessibility and that's something that i really want to drive home to people as well and from from doing a two-minute practice to five minute to 10 to 15 20 30 40 50 you know i, I want to be able to provide people sessions for any part of the day so you can just nip in do a quick little practice to help your state mental physical or you can really have a whole experience which could be a whole hour you know there's, there's something for everyone and uh for a certain time of the day usually when people leave the the longer sort of 45 minutes and they are they really are an experience as opposed to just a, a gym session right um people leave feeling euphoric um i've had people say that it's a life-changing experience 
um, for me it was. Um, people feel empowered, strong, um, clear, happy, content, joyful. Um, yeah, uh, quite quite a range. Not bad. <laughs> all, all of the above. Aye, <laughs> 100%, man. But again, that's like you talk about performance. Naturally, performance, you think physical performance, how far you ran, what you lifted in the gym, how you look. But realistically, man, mental performance is actually bread and butter. Like you're never going to. The brain is the brain always wins, as I say. That's going to dictate so much. But also, uh, like you think, you think of your physical state. You have a gym, right? Which is like you just know. Okay, if I want to get stronger, you go to a gym. But no one ever thinks about your mental health on that side, right? So if you want to be stronger mentally, where's the gym? Like, what is the gym? What's the gym equivalent? I think that is a big thing that's kind of missing. And we've spoken before, Gary and I, about how there's so many great things that can help your mental health, but sometimes because there is so much choice it's hard to know which one's for you, right? I, I agree. And like anything in the world, you, you got to pick and choose and you got to shop around and see what works for you. And I'm not going to say breathwork is the best thing for every man and the dog. You know, some people will try it and won't like it. And that's life. I, I'm not going to get offended. Um, we're, we're all different. We all enjoy different things. Um, but it's just the way it is. Have you I experienced want- that? Doing breathwork classes and somebody giving you feedback, like done nothing for me um not particularly done nothing for me but more so if you're if you're feeling super super anxious and then if you come into a full-on experience which can be quite uh, overwhelming at times because you are really putting your body in that stressful state to then give it a conscious relaxation after it can be too much for people but i always do guide uh, and and let people know that they're in control of the breath. They're in control of the pace. They can always slow it down. So if we're breathing like this, which is quite upregulating for three minutes or so, if that's too much, they can go. So just slowing the pace down, slowing the breath down can just change from high intensity to lower intensity. So yes, I have had people say, it was just too much. And I, and I understand that. And then going forward, we then know how to, um, how to help them in the future. That was some pretty impressive even by the way. Fair play to you. I've done a, I've done a lot of practice. That's decent, mate. Fair play to you. 20,000 times a day, by the way, apparently. That's it. 20,000 times a day. Well, like speaking of like the practical tips, cause, um, you know, let's say I, I suffer with panic attacks. And sometimes when you're in a, a meeting room or a conference room, for some time, some reason, it just comes on out of nowhere. And that's what I was kind of talking about the meditation, which is great when you're in that passive state, as you said, like when you're at home in your own room, that's fine. But when you're about to have a panic attack, like it's very hard to go, excuse me, I'm just going to nip out and do a quick 20 minute, you know, meditation. So do you have any I think you, I, I've heard you speak about this breath. I don't know what the name of it is, where you, you breathe in and then you breathe in again. I think a lot of animals do it, you said. Um, maybe you might talk to your listeners because I found that actually be really useful in the moment when you're on that horizon of like really inside your head. You know, it's a really nice practical tool. Could you talk us through that one? Yeah, of course. Um, I'd also touch on if you do feel super stressed and, and if you're in a group full of people, so I, I get social anxiety. So I get quite um stress or, or awkward when I'm in a in a group of people. I never used to, but it's come on the last couple of years. And I'll just bring my attention to the breath. Even when I'm talking to you guys here, I'm just when I'm listening to you, I'm just focusing on my breath. I'm breathing about three or four seconds in 
and about three or four seconds out just to calm me down, calm my heart rate, calm everything down, just stay focused. Um, so that's a good one to come back to as well. Just attention and the breath, three or four seconds in, three or four seconds out. But the technique that you mentioned there, Neil, it's called a physiological sigh, and it's a double inhale through the nose with a longer exhale through the mouth. So it sounds like this. And you can do it a few times. So essentially what that does is, and like you mentioned, animals do it naturally. Humans do it naturally when they cry as well. You think... <laughs> That's a physiological sigh in, a, in, in a, an automatic reaction, but we can consciously do it as well. Um, essentially what it does is, I mentioned our alveoli sacs in our lungs, where alveoli is where gas exchange takes place. So a lot of the time they are flat and they need to be burst up again. So the double inhale bursts them open, pulls higher volumes of CO2 out of the body. Then that long exhale gets rid of that CO2 and it engages the parasympathetic state. So like I mentioned as well, that long exhale, elongating the, the breath out, engages the parasympathetic state, the rest and digest, the um, down-regulating. But in getting CO2 out of the body, CO2 can be thought of as a metabolic stress messenger. So the more CO2 you have in your body, the kind of more stress that you feel. So we'll try, try and get rid of it through the double inhale and a long exhale. Amazing. That's and this, awesome. has all been, this has all been done with, you know, I, I learned a lot of this work and, I don't make this shit up. I, I just do my research and just regurgitate as much information and knowledge as I can to as many people. But this is all uh, through Dr. Andrew Huberman at Stanford Uni. And he's got a, a, a lab there and he does incredible work and his Instagram is amazing. His YouTube is amazing. His podcast is amazing. And I just, I just fanboy the shit out of him and just learn as much as I can. And, and, um, and he gets some really interesting people on there as well. I was going to say, he didn't find on the back of a cigarette packet someday now. And then he just said, what's this? <laughs> Like a penguin. <laughs> that's I mean, that's it. Well, I mean, everyone's standing on the shoulder of giants at the end of the day, but like you right now are trying to spread the message of like this is a simple thing, but it's so 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 impactful in your life. Whereas that Andrew Huberman can do it himself. I mean, he's educating, that's what you're doing. You're educating me, and I'll pass on the message to somebody else. And it has to work that way. It's the only way it's going to work in it. And I might find what works for me, you might find what works for somebody else. But mate, very, very interesting stuff super interesting and can you talk us through i've seen you on your instagram account with uh like tape over your mouth um and as one drooler during his <laughs> he wakes up on, on his honeymoon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you uh, talk us through that little like phenomenon like does that does that work i I've actually ordered the nose cones. I know I've heard you speak about the nose cones as well, even though I have a button nose. So my nostrils are already huge, but you know, every little helps. Talk us through that. Like, does that help? That helps with no, nose breathing, correct? And like maybe some of the benefits. You know, it seems scary putting tape on your mouth, but yeah, talk us through that one. So were you, were you on my OnlyFans when you saw the tape on my mouth? <laughs> <laughs> um yes so the the, the mouth tape is, is a great question and i'm glad you brought that up so essentially you know how much i talk about nasal breathing and life is all about nasal breathing breathe your nose breathe your nose for all the benefits that uh, it provides to the body and all the negative effects that the mouth uh, mouth breathing um has in the body and the mind so when you're at wakefulness during wakefulness for 16 hours a day we can make a conscious deci decision where or how we breathe using your nose but when you're asleep if you're lying on your side or lying on your back 
And if your mouth pops open, your jaw drops, then you stop mouth breathing. So the easiest way to stop that from happening, like I said, nose is optimal, mouth is detrimental. Just put a wee bit of mouth tape, like a little mustache, over here, just to seal the lips closed. Don't need a big bit of gaffer tape over the whole thing. Uh, you don't. You don't need that. Um, it doesn't need to be full on. Just a wee bit, a wee bit here, and and that should do the job. We just want to delicately, gently close the lips and close the jaw so it doesn't pop open. I can see, but Gary's trying to get in with a joke. I'm going to have so your gag ball, Barry. I haven't imagine going back to like your your missus or your your husband. <laughs> Listen to a podcast today. Big bad gaffer tape for the couple in back. <laughs> what the fuck are you up to? No, no, it's good for you. It's good for you. Well, mate, I, I, honestly, I, like because I, I love this shit, and a lot of my pals are getting into it too. They send me photos, and they've got a big bit of gaffer tape over their lips. They're like, they're like, is this it, mate? I'm like, oh my god, no, 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 don't yeah, do that. Percent. Let us know how you got on. Uh, <laughs> class. <laughs> and can um, you? You only do that like when you're sleeping, or can you like? <laughs> can you only do it till you want, mate? <laughs> What? I do I, I do I do it when I run sometimes. Like if, I, if I'm doing a, a steady state aerobic um 150 beat per minute run, if I want to and really make sure I'm only using my nose and challenge myself, I'll just take my mouth. I'll take my mouth, get some fucking weird looks I'm honest around around Bondi in the eastern suburbs. I can't stop imagining someone just going on a jog with gaffer therapy running full speed. Come to the back, yeah. I can't, I can't boot. Just legging it. Honestly, you gotta, pra- you gotta practice what you preach, though. And uh, and sometimes oh. I do it when, I, sometimes I do do it when I run. Um, but it's usually a sleep thing. I've been interested to try it. To be honest, I. Yeah, I've I've got the I've got the the nose things. I got like. What's nose cones? What are they? They're like little plastic things, and they come to get. There's a pet, like you get pair, you pair them, so it just kind of goes up, and then I think it, it just opens obviously up your nostrils and helps you. Um, breathe a bit better because I what you said um Rory about the jaw thing I get that as well like I find like just before you're about to nod off I feel like your my jaw sometimes is kind of clenched um and you have to kind of like release it you know and then you wake up and the the pillow is you know (laughs) destroyed after one night like um but like if if people if people are breathing through the mouth or or if their partner lets them know they're breathing through the mouth or if their breath smells particularly bad in the morning or they've got a dry mouth you're probably breathing through your mouth so just try tape your mouth and a lot of my clients and and friends and people in the network have been texting me after seeing how how much it's actually impacted their life you know the next day they wake up and they feel alert they feel more awake they've had a deeper sleep their rem they look at their the data on whoop or garmin or whatever and their their quality of sleep is actually improved and they feel better the next day so you know it's it's pretty fundamental and it's 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 so so important there there is one practical pro of uh having your mouth open uh, one morning i woke up and uh, i had a dry mouth and went down to get a coffee and i could feel something in the roof of my mouth and it was actually a spider a, de- a spider had like crawled yes. crawled into my mouth and died so got a little extra hit of protein so. no way mate I, I went like I had my I, I was like oh what is that and then I put my finger up to the roof of my mouth and I pulled it out and it was like it was dead because I you know obviously the the whack off my breath probably probably just fell asleep mate listening to you talk during the sleep <laughs> well I was like oh my god that was it that was like a real kind of moment for me going god you need to sort your shit out big time I'm killing spiders <laughs> <laughs> 
That is right. Um, probably conscious of time as well, Rory. I just want to make sure that people, in terms of, uh, I know you're doing Zoom classes for this sort of thing and discussing accessibility earlier on. Um, can you just maybe give people listening a way to access you and um, some ideas on how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, I think the best places to go would be Rory Warnock Wellness on Instagram. Uh, be the same on Facebook. RoryWarnock.com is my website. They can find me at Nimbus Online um, and join as many of the online Zoom sessions as they can as well. They'll find the link on my Instagram. And how often do you run those Zoom sessions? So at the moment, we do, well, I do a weekly session at four o'clock in Sydney um, on Sundays. But for the next of, sorry, for the rest of September, I'm going to put on quite a few. I'm actually just looking at my timetable this evening and tomorrow, and I'm hopefully going to put on about 20 just so we can really just open up and get as many people doing it as we're coming into this 11th or 12th week or who knows what week of lockdown. Yeah, we we went, we hosted uh, one with Rory uh, at the beginning of last month with the Nimbus community and it sold out in less than two hours and it was just insane. Oh. Yeah, so many people. And as you were saying, like the comments just from people posts were just unreal like people some people bawling their eyes crying other people saying getting visions of their grandparents and um even the physical feelings like you know that kind of like the your your tingling your the reverberation like and every people were saying they were supercharged for the day and they got loads of stuff done and other people said it just was nice and they felt so restful and calming so that's the great thing about it it can mean different things to different people, right? It's, you, you're not going to get the sec- same experience every day, right? Or every time you do it. Completely, completely. And, and it's been pretty cool this week. I've actually been doing um, sessions with, with Burning Man. You know, there's been the Burning Man Festival should be this week, but it's all virtual. So I've been doing it to a couple of hundred people who, who have been breathing all over the world and all having pretty uh, profound, ex- incredible experiences as well. Any class? Yeah, I have a feeling in a few years' time, we're going to be like, we interviewed him on These Lads Are Mental. Do you remember that? And now he's, fucking, you know, the new Elon Musk or something. Or you'd have some TED Talk and be like, we, we put him on the map. <laughs> I, I hope I'm not as weird as Elon Musk, though, hey? <laughs> Please don't call your kid X dash hash forward slash whatever it is. He's a funny man, isn't he? 100%. Well, even though that's great. I think those practical tips are really good. We do have these like little quick three, uh, three quick, quick fire questions, which you're supposed to answer in 30 seconds. Uh, I didn't put them in your email, which has probably made no sense now anyway, because you didn't read it. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so, you, you, you talk so much shite, I just, just get on with yeah. <laughs> After the first line, you're like, ah, I'll just figure it out on the day. Um, well, the questions are, the, the idea here is you got 30 seconds, so just uh, fire away. Um, Gary, do you want to ask them or will I? You can go, mate. There you go. Okay. We might superimpose in some like countdown music uh, in post-edit, you know, but uh, for now, I guess. You'll smash it in 30 seconds. It's very quick questions. Okay. Maybe if I ask them slowly. Okay. Question number one. (laughs) (laughs) Where are... (laughs) Okay. Here we go. Where are we out of 10 right now as a society, do you think, for mental health awareness? Five. Um, where are you right now out of 10 in terms of your own mental health seven 
if there was one thing people could do each day that would have the biggest bang for their buck regarding their mental health, what would it be in your opinion? I think there's, there's three things. I'm going to be really annoying. Breathe correctly, drink enough water and sleep well. Three very easy fundamentals of life. Get those three right and life becomes a lot easier and a lot happier, a lot healthier. 36 seconds, mate. Embarrassing. I have no idea how long that was. But I classmate, um, smashed it. That was brilliant. No, I mean, look, thanks, thanks a lot for uh, your time, obviously, mate, but that was super interesting. I'll definitely listen back to this and take some nuggets for myself. Um, and I'll, I'll definitely book into one of your Zoom sessions as well to experience it. Well, I, I might even just say that a uh, little like selfless plug, but uh, we have Rory tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. AEST, uh, on our very first official Nimbus Online uh, Zoom masterclass. So if you are interested, you can just find us on socials and you can log in. Um, as I said, the last one we did, which was a bit of a teaser for the launch of the platform, it sold out in less than two hours. So yeah, if you're around tomorrow at 10 a.m., hopefully we'll see you then, even though this podcast won't be out by then. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> well, I really, really appreciate you lads having me on and I appreciate what you guys are doing as well. Uh, the more human uh, interaction, the more conversations that we can do uh, around mental health is uh, it's hugely beneficial for everyone. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your work and and I appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Likewise. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lads Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Bitsier, and the Black Dog Institute.